Welcome to St. James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith, Edinburgh. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday service, which was held on May the 29th, 2022. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please go to www.stjamesleith.org.uk.
Trusting in God's forgiveness, let us in silence confess our failings and acknowledge our part in the pain of the world. And we pray now together and to each other. Come home to ourselves and to each other. May all that is unfree in us be released and may we blossom into a future grace with love. reading today is taken from John chapter 17, reading from verses 20 to 26. Glory to Christ our Savior. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may be completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory, which you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the gospel, good news for all. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful gospel that's written before us, that Jesus' prayer at the Last Supper, that invites us to see the connection between things, between us and each other, between us and God. God and us, God and the world. So open our minds, open our hearts to having this sense of you in everything. Amen. So I am going to base a, 
my sermon on the uh, gospel passage that you didn't hear, but <laughs> um, hopefully you, you can read it. I won't read it through again. Um, and it is one of the most mystical passages in the Bible. Um, uh, Jesus talking about God um, in us and in him and he in God. And when I went to, uh, my last church was called St. Columba, and before going there, I thought I needed to, to find out uh, lots about St. Columba, so I took a retreat to Iona. I don't know if, uh, I'm sure lots of you have been to Iona, but in the chapel there, they have a book, and it's got a series of quotes, and I sat uh, in the chapel looking out to the sea, beautiful views, and I read all these quotes, and they were so powerful that I actually just took lots of pictures uh, of different quotes that I use, have used regularly in sermons. And the quote that, uh, one of the quotes that really touched me is this, and it goes, the greatest religious challenge today is how to be a mystic and a militant. In other words, how to combine effective social action with an expansion of our inner awareness and how to feel one's true identity in both. So I'm going to try and unpack that a bit. Um, and I might have bitten off a little bit more than I can chew, because once you start uh, trying to describe Jesus' mystical teachings, uh, it can get difficult. Um, but I do use uh, Richard Raw. I know many of you know. And I think his one, one of his big gifts is that he's able to sort of earth some of this mystical teaching. So I, I um, unashamedly use uh, uh, in, sort of uh, writings that, that he's done. But it seems to me that, uh, anyway, for me and for many of us, the inspiring people of our faith are able to combine this mystical and social action, this contemplation and actually uh, getting stuck. So those we might classify as mystics, like Thomas Merton, Julian of Norwich, uh, Meister Eckhart, um, various uh, different Hildegard de Bingham, um, uh, Teresa of Avila, they were actually, if you look into their lives, they were activists. They got involved uh, in things. So Meister Eckhart, the, the sort of the mystic that, that uh, everyone um, reads, actually was involved with the Beguine community um, and very much with the women's movement uh, of the day. And then you have activists like Martin Luther King, Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Romero. And actually, if, if you get into their thinking, they're actually quite mystical. So Martin Luther King, the, the big activist, believed, uh, talked about this garment of destiny, that what happened on one side of the world, this was before globalization, what happened in, um, say, China, happened to a person in China, affected a person in America, and what happened... Uh, uh, to people in America, affected people in China. So he had this um, idea of the connection between uh, things. So what, what is this expansion of awareness in the quote that the mystics had? And I think it, it has something to do with breaking down barriers uh, and not seeing things as separate and beginning to see the connectedness of life. And in a sense, it requires us to move away from uh, dualistic thinking, which is very hard for the Western mind and quite difficult uh, to think of rationally. And our gospel reading is profoundly mystical. As Jesus, in this beautiful prayer, 
of union at the Last Supper is connecting everything together. So he is uh, in God, God is in Jesus, God is in you, you are in God, God is in the world, you are in the world. It all uh, is connecting together as one. And Jesus is encouraging his disciples to see the world through a mystical lens where everything is relational, circular, connected, and not separate. Uh, and I just want to illustrate this increasing uh, awareness of God in, in everything by doing a quick journey through the resurrection stories to illustrate a movement from what I uh, call and what Richard Raw calls seeing to recognizing. So we have on uh, Easter morning, Mary Magdalene seeing a gardener, uh, and it's not until her name is gently and lovingly spoken that she moves from seeing the gardener to recognizing that the gardener is Christ, or that Christ is in the gardener. And then a few days later, we have two men uh, who are walking alongside each other on the Emmaus Road, talking to a stranger, and it's not until they have a meal together and the bread is broken uh, that they move from seeing the stranger and then recognizing Christ in the stranger. And then the Sunday after Easter, uh, um, we have Thomas unwilling to believe in the risen Christ, presence of Christ. And it's not until Jesus invites him to what I think is the scariest level of encounter to actually touch his wounds that Thomas recognizes Christ in the suffering of Jesus. And Thomas always seems to get a bad press for me, but I think for me he shows great daring and courage. He's willing to both touch and be touched by the woundedness of another. And again, in my, my experience uh, as, a, as a priest, um, I think I've always, the closest I've encountered Christ is in the woundedness of another. When somebody is vulnerable, uh, uh, certainly uh, in, uh, in funerals, when they've lost a loved one, uh, I have a sense of Christ in that. So if we see the resurrection stories as uh, Jesus walking around uh, uh, an isolated presence and only the lucky few um, get, get to see him, I think we're missing the point. I think that after the res resurrection, it's the idea of recognizing Christ in another, that we recognize Christ in the gardener, we recognize Christ in the stranger that we meet, we recognize Christ in the wounds of another. That's the power of the resurrection. And I quote the quote that I put on the website and I, I quoted on uh, Easter Day because it's worth repeating by Marcus Borg, is that Easter is telling us that you won't find Jesus in the land of the dead. He is still with us. The powers killed him, but they couldn't stop him. They crucified him and buried him in a rich man's tomb. But imperial execution and a tomb couldn't hold him. He is still loose in the world. He's still out there, still here, still recruiting people to share his passion for a transformed world here and now. It's not over. So Christ is both hidden and revealed uh, in us, but hidden and revealed also 
with people outside church, in our community, in many, many different guises. But it seems to me especially among the marginalized, which is why it makes no sense for me for churches to become ghettos and not to be involved in the community that they're situated in. And another quote from uh, a woman called Elizabeth Templeton said, I am sure that God is alive and well in this country, but mercifully not dependent on churches alone for effective disclosure. So this connectedness, this expansion of our awareness of recognizing Christ and ourselves in each other is affirmed in this round table where we celebrate the Eucharist. The table becomes the center of our connectedness, which is why I believe there should be no barriers for people to come up to receive the bread and wine. It's bread, only bread at the moment. So we may come in uh, to the building or be at home feeling separate, leading separate lives, but the sharing of the bread and the wine expresses our connection to God, but also to one another. Christ is in you, you are in Christ. Christ is in me, I am in Christ. The person next to you is also in Christ and Christ in them. It connects it all together. And I think the Eucharist is moving us towards this transformation, a transformation to see and recognize the world in its unity and connectedness. And the more we connect to one another, the deeper our uh, transformation is. When we're able to connect to people of other religions, those of a different class, those uh, that are not like ourselves, those of different ethnicities, then uh, the deeper uh, our connectedness, the deeper our transformation is. The deeper our connection with each other, the deeper our connection with God, the deeper our connection with God, the deeper our connection with each other. They're all related. And as Richard Rohr says, what you do to your neighbor, you do to yourself. How you love yourself is how you love your neighbor. How you love God is how you love yourself. How you love yourself is how you love God. And he goes on to say, and it's, it's taken me a long time to unravel this, but he goes on to say, how you do anything is how you do everything. It's an extraordinary statement but actually, I think, very true. So if we begin to increasingly understand this connectedness, then the natural response is to actively engage in social action, to be concerned with the well-being of another. Contemplation and action, um, a balance that I think is so beautifully apparent in the uh, Richard Carter book that we studied over Lent. Lots of contemplation, lots of stillness, lots of silence, but also action in the community. And I've probably not, not explained this very well because it's quite hard for the rational mind to sort of get our heads around this connectedness. And I think maybe one of the best ways is to describe uh, an experience in his own words by Thomas Merton. Now, I don't know if you know anything about uh, Thomas Merton, but he... Uh, um, was a monk that really, the first part of his life, felt that the best way to, to go to God was to remove himself from the world completely. So he was part of a, a monastic order, which uh, I can't remember just at the moment, but he even removed himself slightly from the monastic order and, and lived in a, 
um, uh, a little place on his own in the woods. And his, his whole life was to get nearer God uh, by coming away from the world, which he thought would taint that experience. A very ascetic uh, and prayerful monk. And then he went to uh, Louisville and he had a mystical experience. And I'm going to ask Jeffrey to, to put a plaque up. It's the only plaque in America that uh, commemorates a mystical experience. And he had uh, a revelation there in 1958. And I'm going to just read through uh, this re revelation that he describes in his own wor words. He says in Louisville, at the corner of 4th and Walnut Street in Kentucky, in the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people, that they were mine and I theirs, that we could not be alien to one another, even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world. This sense of liberation from an illusionary difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I had the immense joy of being a man, a member of a race in which God himself became incarnate. As if sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me. Now that I realize what we all are, and if only everybody could realize this, but it cannot be explained. There is no way of telling people that they are walking around, shining like the sun. Then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts, the depths of their hearts, where neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach, the core of their reality, the person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. Very incredibly powerful, mystical experience. And after that experience, Thomas Merton no longer withdrew from the world, but immersed himself in it and became an activist, in particular fighting towards de-escalation of nuclear weapons. So contemplation and action. And if we begin to see Christ in others, if we begin to see Christ in the homeless person, if we see Christ in those we come in contact with, then the natural next step is towards helping and being involved in social action. So contemplation and action, I believe, is our calling. And I'll end with the uh, quote that I started with. The greatest religious challenge today is how to be both a mystic and a militant. In other words, how to combine effective social action with an expansion of our inner awareness and how to feel one's true identity in both. Amen. So let's pray then. Faithful God, you keep us 
each one of us in your love that gives us a purpose to life and comforts us when the going is tough. And yet we are not just individuals, but we travel together, being there for each other, encouraging one another, sharing in our joys and sorrows. The way we react to others on the journey depends on how our own journey has been and whether we can see deeper and further than our own experiences, recognising our human condition in the lives of other people. We thank you that we do not travel alone, but we ask your forgiveness for the times when we have seen others struggling, but have not taken the time to recognise that our struggles and theirs are similar. So today, God of Equality, we ask that you will help us to recognise that even though our circumstances may differ, we can still identify with what others are going through. We ask that you will be with those who are in any way deprived of basic human needs. Clean water, enough to eat, a roof over their head, friends, good health, love, safety, enough money to make ends meet. This may not be our experience, but we ask that you will help us to put ourselves where they are and use our imaginations to recognise their needs and help in whatever way we can. God of equality, we pray for justice in our world, that everyone will have equal access to all they need to live. God of peace, we pray for those who are caught up in wars not of their own choosing, who live in fear of bombs on a daily basis, whose lives have been totally uprooted and changed in a very short time. We ask for wisdom for those helping that the most urgent needs will be met. We pray for Ukraine, Afghanistan, Yemen, Ethiopia, Somalia, and in a moment's quiet, we bring before God other places and situations that are on our hearts, particularly remembering the families of all those who lost their lives in the Texas school shootings and asking God to change the hearts of many in America who see nothing wrong with the current gun, gun culture. God of peace, be with those people and in those places for which we've prayed, bringing your reconciliation and grace, that relationships may be renewed, that divisions may cease, and that everyone will work for the common good instead of trying to impose what they want on others. God of belonging, <clears throat> we pray for our local community as we move further away from the pandemic, Help us still to look out for everyone else, as we did at the beginning of it. Inspire this congregation here in Leith to reach out to our neighbours of different faiths, ethnic backgrounds, or who are part of the LGBTQ community. Help us to put aside any prejudices about others that alter our behaviour towards them, and see them as you see them, each one a precious person, made in your image and loved unconditionally by you. Help us to learn to live with each other in our daily lives as Jesus would have us live. 
We remember today those who are sick, lonely, depressed, <clears throat> worried, homeless, addicted. Lead us forward and help us to create a community where love, acceptance and mutuality are expressed, where joy abounds and where results are achieved because we're all working hard and hand in hand together. God of belonging, keep us firmly part of you so that in turn we can be able to bring your light and love to others. God of our world, we are dependent on its resources. Help us to remember that what we do has an impact on our world. Help us not just to see the damage we do, but to recognise it and strive to change our habits and our way of thinking about how we live our lives. Help us to live more simply so that our planet can recover before it's too late and future generations will be looking back in dismay and anger that we could have done more to save your world from all that is hurting it now. God of our world, grant us the wisdom to look after this wonderful planet you have given us and which we call home. And finally, a prayer by John Birch. O oh God, you have said that to truly love you, we must also love our neighbour, which can be difficult when we disagree or lifestyles clash. Yet in overcoming those difficulties, it is possible to see the miracle that you love people like us. Teach us to love, O oh God, as you have loved us, <clears throat> that this world might be a better neighbourhood in which to live and share. Amen. Praise and thanksgiving be to you, God of all. For by the cross, eternal life is ours and death is swallowed up in victory. In the first light of Easter, glory broke from the tomb and, cha and changed the women's sorrow into joy. From the garden, the mystery dawned that he who th whom they had loved and lost is with us now in every place forever. And making himself known in the breaking of the bread, speaking peace to the fearful disciples, welcoming weary fishermen on the shore, he renewed the promise of his presence and of new birth in the Spirit. And at supper with his disciples, he took bread and offered you thanks. He broke the bread, gave it to them, saying, Take, eat. This is my body. It is broken for you. After supper, he took the cup, he offered you thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you and for all that sins may be forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me.
pray our prayer of thanks. God of all the saints, who is with us from cradle to grave, and throughout all time, give us faith and courage to experience fully the true truth of who we are, that we may have 